0: All right, so I got a couple announcements. Uh, I think actually just one. And that is next week is our Christmas party. So we're going to have appetizers and snacks and all types of goodies. If you make cookies, does anybody make cookies? Bring some. Bring some cookies or your favorite cookie, and that would be awesome. Uh, We're also going to have games and prizes. I think we got, like, $50 in um, Starbucks gift cards. I think we have... Uh, I don't know, over a dozen, like, ice cream stuff from Culver's. We got bracelets and, I don't know, just a bunch of other stuff to give away. So we're going to have some games. So come. That's going to be really fun. Uh, So we're going to have games, prizes, uh, and a white elephant gift exchange. Has anybody ever done that? Yeah? So bring a gift that's worth less than $5. And if you got something you want to give away that's more, I mean, you can bring it. Um, I mean, I don't... I'm not really going to put the limit on there. But bring a gift. I don't care if it's toilet paper. Bring something. That's the point. Uh, It's supposed to be funny. All right. All right. So cool. So uh, those are announcements I have. Christmas party. uh, Bring a a tree, a cookie, and uh, also bring a gift. Also, some of you guys weren't here last week, but we put up the sign that says, See you next week with... Blank. And uh, it's blank because we're asking you the question, who are we going to see you with next week? Um, And really, it's just an encouragement to say, hey, if there's somebody in your life who you could invite to come and partake in our community and hear the word of God taught and uh, and and meet some new friends and be encouraged, invite them. And so we got these cards that have like kind of cool things on there like this, this uh, could change your life or this is the sign you have been waiting for or. We have a seat for you, Vanessa. We have a seat for you. Um, so, so grab a card on your way out. Invite a friend. I, like I always say, if you see a random teenager at Walmart, give him the card. All right? Especially if you're a girl, he's a boy. He will come. All right? He will come. I'm serious. He really will. And we're going to give him Jesus. And that's what's Okay, so all right. Uh, so last week, we jumped back into our series uh, titled The Teachings of Jesus. Um, And more specifically, at this point in the series, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And and as I mentioned last week, the fact that uh, Jesus, he takes this time to sit with his disciples and give them a lesson on prayer. I think it teaches us. I think it implies that we need to learn how to pray to pray. Uh, we don't just automatically learn how to pray fervently and, in a way that honors and blesses God and brings about change in the world. We actually have to learn how to pray. And so far, uh, we've broken down Jesus's prayer into two main sections, two main sections. Uh, in the first section, verses nine through 10, Jesus teaches us to pray for God's name, right? To be hallowed to be revered, to be worshiped. Uh, he teaches us to pray that God's kingdom would advance and would be extended into the world that your friends and your classmates and your family members, they would come and like they would bow in submission with joy to Jesus and that his kingdom would go further and further as more and more people come under obedience to his name. So Jesus teaches us to pray for his, his name, uh, God's name, God's kingdom, and then God's will. That God's will would be done. His purposes would be fulfilled in and through you and others and God's people. Uh, We could even say then uh, Jesus in those first three petitions, he teaches us to pray for the greatest desires of your heart. What you really, really want. Uh, But now in this section, second section, in verses 11 through 13, Jesus teaches us to pray for our greatest needs. Our greatest needs. And last week, he taught us to pray for our daily bread, right? The basic essentials we need to survive. Food, water, shelter. Pray for our daily bread because God is concerned for that. And now this week, he teaches us to pray for an even greater need. And that's God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness. And so let's go ahead and read our passage, pray, and dig in. Titus, would you read for us? And everybody follow along on your sheet. Does everybody have a sheet out? Good, good. Okay? Titus, go ahead and read it for pray us. Then like this our Father, our Father in heaven, how will be their name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, as all, as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Matthew 9:6, 9, 9 through13. Through Great job, thank you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we pray that your spirit would enable us to see and savor Jesus Christ and all that he is for us. Father, would you open our eyes? Would you open our hearts to to behold his glory, to see who he is for us in a way that that changes us, renews us, transforms us, and even saves us from the wrath to come. So Father, we just ask for your help now. May this message come to us in, in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, by your grace and according to your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now remember in verse 9, if you look at your papers, Jesus begins, he begins this master lesson on prayer by saying these words Pray then like this. Pray like this. This means that in what follows, what follows after that statement, including our passage tonight, is an example of what faithful, God-honoring, world-changing prayer looks like. Uh, And according to verse 12, which is our passage, Jesus tells us to pray to our Father in heaven saying these words, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. In other words, Jesus teaches us to make a, a regular practice, a regular practice in our prayer of asking for God's forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. And what we're going to do is discuss three insights uh, that we glean, that we discover uh, from this simple prayer request. And and the first insight, it's it's really straightforward. Uh, In fact, it's the heart of the entire message. uh, And this prayer shows us that we need, you need, I need God's forgiveness. And to understand the weight and significance of this truth, we must first begin by looking at that word debts, debts. What does it mean when Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts? Is Jesus telling us to ask God to pay off our car loan or a mortgage or some other financial obligation? No, uh, actually, what we have here is Jesus is employing, he's using a metaphor, uh, uh, an image uh, often used by the Jewish people at that time to describe the reality, the concept of sin, of sin. Uh, Put simply, then when Jesus refers to debts, he's talking about our sins against God. So any thought Uh, Any desire, any attitude, any action that goes against God's will, God's commands, that's sin, and that accrues a debt that we owe to God. But, But my question is, why would Jesus consider debt? Why would Jesus consider debt, which is normally used in a financial marketplace kind of context? Why did he think it was a good image out of all the images he could have used? Why did he choose debt to describe how sin affects our relationship with God? Why did he choose debt? Uh, Well, unlike today, in Jesus's time to not pay your debts was a serious crime with serious consequences. Uh, See, in our society, uh, we don't have what's called a debtor's jail, a debtor's jail. In other words, if you go to college and uh, Sean racks up a bunch of credit card debt uh, and student loans and he doesn't pay it back, we're not going to throw Sean in jail. We're not going to arrest him. Good news for you. Uh, In fact, he might even be able to file for bankruptcy later in his life and get the debts fully removed. So that's how in our society it works. But in the days of Jesus... If you didn't pay your debt, they'd have you arrested and most likely they would sell you. They'd sell you uh, along with your wife and children into slavery and along with everything you owned to make the payment. And as you stood before that judge uh, and he was going to sentence you to be enslaved uh, and sell all that you had to pay your debt, there was nothing you could do. Uh, but plead and beg for mercy. And so when the disciples originally heard Jesus use this imagery of debt, Uh, as a way to talk about sin, uh, it would have struck up ideas of being so poor, uh, so needy, completely helpless before the almighty God whom they sinned against, betrayed and and went against over and over again so that they're absolutely amassed this, this unbelievably huge weighing down massive debt, this crushing debt. And therefore, God has every right. God has every right and even, listen, and responsibility as a righteous God to give us what we deserve for breaking his laws. And and in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That is the, the act of sinning. When you disobey God, when I disobey his commands, it earns uh, the wage of death. Put another way, on account of sin, someone has to die. Someone has to pay the penalty for your sin. Someone's got to die. But here's the good news. Listen to what Jesus says he came to do in Matthew 20, verse 28. Look at your papers. It's a cross reference. He says, the son of man, so Jesus came, not to be served, but to serve, and here it is, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And and that word ransom, it refers to the price paid to set a person free from some form of debt. So if you were enslaved and someone came and paid your ransom, that would release you from that slavery. Students, apart from God's intervention, we are so sinful. (laughs) We're, we're, we're so prone to wander and turn away from it. We're, we're broken, hurting people without any ability to pay the price for our sin debt. But Jesus pays it for us. So, so for a moment, just imagine with me that day when we stand before God. Let's take a second and imagine that moment. And, and students, I really don't think we will ever realize how little how how weak, how impotent, how defiled and and impure we really are until we stand before this this God, this being, and it says he dwells in unapproachable light. That is the light of his glory and his purity and his innocence and his his, his, his holiness is so bright that you're going to have to put your face down. You're not going to be able to dwell and you can't see his holiness. You're going to be, it's going to be so um, uh, incredibly blinding. And and, and then you're going to hear this strong and thunderous voice, right? The same voice that that told the sun to rise and the creation to come into existence. Call your name. Robert, come forth. And and, and there we're going to stand and we got nowhere to hide, uh, nowhere to run, nothing to protect us before this being who knows all that we are and all that we've ever done. And so can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine that moment? Think about all the ways we've dishonored and disobeyed this majestic being. All the times we disregarded and ignored him. All the times we said no to him and yes to sin. And in that moment, we will know. I promise you, I know you might think you're a good person now, but when you stand before the holiness of God, you will know what you deserve. You will know. There'll be no doubt in your soul. We will know that we're unworthy. We will know that we're not good enough. And we will know that we deserve the righteous judgment of God. And as we stand there fully exposed, I imagine that's when Jesus will say to those who put their faith and hope in him, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You believed in my name. I paid for you already. I bought you. Come, come now, child of God, enter my joy. I prepared a place for you. Students, our our need for God's forgiveness is is desperate. It's desperate. It's a desperate need. Don't, Don't wait until it's too late. Don't hold off and procrastinate your decision to trust in Jesus today. While you have breath, while you have life, this is the day you can have salvation. This is the day you can have your sin debt removed and cleared. This is the day you can be forgiven. Now, if our sin debt is fully forgiven, as soon as we trust in Jesus, why does Jesus then teach us to pray and ask for God's forgiveness on a regular basis? Remember, he says, pray then like this. So he wants you to pray on a regular basis and ask God for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. So so does this mean that Jesus doesn't pay our debt in full when we trust in him? Like, is there some sort of payment plan? You know, 12 uh, uh, distributions of Jesus' blood at some point? Like, what's the deal? Well, upon faith in Jesus, it's clear our debt is fully paid once and for all, never to be recon- uh, uh, reckoned up again or brought up again. However, this question leads us to our next insight that we discover in this prayer request, and that's our need for confession. And, and, and this, this is amazing. This this is amazing. Uh, My brothers and my sisters, God doesn't want us to come to him with cropped and edited versions of ourselves. He doesn't want our Instagram, Snapchat filter stuff. He wants the real you. The real you, the the dirty, ugly, nasty you. Uh, The you who's stuck in sexual sin. The the you who's filled with doubt and questions, the you who's jealous and coveting what others have, the you who's insecure and needy, the you who no one else knows. Jesus says, bring all of it to your loving father. So think about this, to to ask for God's forgiveness requires that we must first admit that we sinned. That we've done wrong against God. We've lied, we've cheated, lusted, hated, and therefore need forgiveness. And this means that God wants us to come to him with the most blunt and brutal and absolute honesty uh, about our sinfulness. And then be assured he's going to forgive us, that he has forgiven us, that Jesus really paid the penalty for all of your sin. Even the one that you're most ashamed about. And it's incredible. It's incredible. Confession, it's like healing for your soul. And and note the prayer says, forgive us our debts. It's plural, us. Uh, Jesus is teaching us how to pray, not just alone when you're in your room with the door shut, but together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and that's why, uh, personally, I've got so many people in my life that I regularly confess my sin to. My wife, uh, good friends, mentors, constantly opening up and honest about my sin struggles with other Christian brothers and sisters. And I'm telling you, it's so freeing. It's so helpful and encouraging instead of hiding my sin in the dark where it grows and festers and, and, and it hurts me. I bring it to the light and I find healing. I find healing when I confess my sins. And so Jesus teaches us not only that we need forgiveness, but we also need a regular habit of confessing our sins to both God and our brothers and sisters in Christ in fellowship, in community. Uh, we need our family to strengthen us on this journey. And so if you have a sin struggle in your life, which we all do, if you have a sin struggle in your life uh, and you're you're not regularly confessing it and being open with somebody about it, I want to encourage you now, choose a mature Christian family member, uh, friend, mentor, who you can be just dead honest with. Hold nothing back. Just tell them exactly what's going on in your life. And I want to encourage you to develop a regular habit of that. Uh, we have a D group with um, some guys. And we meet on a regular basis on a Wednesday morning at 6.15 AM at Johnson's Bakery. And we pray. We talk about what we read in, uh, in, in scripture that week. And we also m- uh, memorize scripture. But we tried to make a regular practice of, at the end, confessing our sins to one another talking about, did we lust? Did we have greed? Did we have pride? What's going on in our hearts and sharing it with one another. And so again, I want to encourage you guys, find a group, find a friend, find a mentor who you can be really honest about who you are with and share that with them so that you can find healing. Now, the third and final insight we find in this prayer request comes in the latter half. So Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and that word "as" is critical because it indicates a comparison. That is, that is, in the same way we forgive others, God is going to forgive you. With the judgment you pronounce on someone else, that's the judgment you're going to receive from God. Uh, to make. What he's saying, even more explicit, right after he's done teaching the disciples how to pray, he follows up with this additional explanation in verses 14 and 15. It's in the cross reference. He says these words, For if you forgive others their trespasses, their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, now Jesus is not saying that we can earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others, but rather he's saying that a person who truly grasps how much you've been forgiven, like how much you need God to clear your debt. When you've grasped that, when you feel that you want to forgive others. I don't, I feel so uncomfortable holding sin against other people because I know what I've been forgiven of. And Jesus, he, he once told a parable that, that vividly shines light on what it looks like for us to withhold forgiveness. Like, what does that look like when we do that in our lives? As people who follow Jesus and trust in Jesus and have our sin debt completely cleared, what does it look like for us when we withhold forgiveness from another? So I want to read it with you. It's, it's, in your, it's on your uh, papers. It's, it's a parable that Jesus spoke, and it's really powerful. He says these words. Look there with me. Um, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And just for, uh, uh, to interpret that astronomical, incalculable, about, uh, incalculable amount of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant, he fell on his knees, imploring him, the king, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So so not only did the king release him, but he forgave the debt. So he didn't even have to try to pay it back. So, I mean, the king went over and beyond for this servant. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, nothing. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Sound familiar? But that, that servant refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And here's the, here's the key. This is the, what the, the, the parable is trying to show us. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Students, let us not be like the unforgiving servant in this parable. Let us not receive this incredible gift and forgiveness for all of our sin debt and then go to someone who's done us some minor wrong and say, pay what you owe. Let us not be like the unforgiving servant, servant because Jesus' people, for Jesus' people, forgiveness is, is not optional. It's not an option. It's required of us. Of course, our forgiveness will always be imperfect and flawed and you're going to work to forgive others. It's not just going to happen immediately. Of course, it's complicated and messy. But overall, Jesus's disciples will carry out lives that are characterized by a willingness, a desire to forgive others because we know how much we've been forgiven. And so from this prayer where Jesus teaches us as his disciples to come to our father in heaven and ask, forgive us. Our debts forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors we see that we we need forgiveness we desperately need forgiveness and we need confession we need to have someone in our lives where we share our sin with and with God we don't have to come to God in some kind of uh, perfect way he knows everything already and lastly we need to forgive others and so that's this is what this prayer these insights that teach us let's pray father in heaven Uh, Thank you that you have forgiven us. You have wiped clean all of our sin debt. You have paid the price with the blood of your son. And we're forgiven now. We have a restored relationship with you now. We've been adopted into your family now. And so, Father, we pray that this truth would wash over us afresh, that we'd be encouraged and strengthened And that we'd be motivated to forgive others. That we'd want to express that same love we've been given. So, Father, let this truth bear fruit in our lives. It only can by the power of the Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.